Next up, you will be listening to United Way Community Connections with Mike Affelberg. United Way Community Connections. United Way Community Connections broadcasts every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. right here on WSMN. In United Way Community Connections, you will be introduced to leaders from all of the great nonprofits in Greater Nashua. From caring for our children to our seniors, from helping our homeless pets to our at-risk vets, from learning the skills to get your GED, to dealing with trauma and substance abuse. Community Connections is the place to learn with Mike Affelberg about what's going on. Learn how you can help and make a difference from the experts. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show, which is making a difference in Greater Nashua. Here's your host, Mike Affelberg. Well, good Monday morning. You are listening to the United Way Community Connections show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We are here each and every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m., generally speaking, talking um, with the nonprofits in our community about what they're doing to make Greater Nashua a place which is stronger, smarter, safer, healthier, and happier for all of us who live and work here in the community. Um, during the uh, coronavirus epidemic, we've also switched gears just a little bit and mixed things up to bring on also business partners of ours, people from the community who are um, you know, active in trying to build their businesses um, during this difficult time and, and talking about some of their success stories and their new approaches. And I think uh, it's been great because we've been learning from each other a lot of that. Today is going to be one of those um, shows where we have actually two different businesses on. A little bit later, we'll have Gail Kraft, who's actually been on the show with me before. Gail is a uh, consultant, and she hates the word, but she's also a coach, person who um, you know works with people to uh, both individually and um, corporately improve their, their their productivity and their performance, and, and I would dare say their satisfaction with the jobs they do. Um, so Gail's going to be talking with us a little bit about that and also how she's been able to shift gears successfully in her business throughout this time of social distancing and, uh, you know, that type of thing. After that, we're also going to have um, a friend of mine on the radio whose name is Kelly Murphy. Kelly is the owner-operator of a uh, indoor interior decorating business called De- Decor and You. Um, she's out there in in Brookline, New Hampshire, just west of here. And uh, she's going to talk a little bit about what uh, is going on in their business, what she's seeing for trends. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, this has been a interesting time. A lot of a lot of do-it-yourselfers have been hanging out at home, and I bet you a lot of them have created a mess and decorated their houses in ways that is um, truly has truly highlighted their inability to do so in a good way. I know that, thankfully, in our household, I've actually been working throughout all of this at United Way. So, but if I had been home and had decided to get handy and 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 spruce the place up, it would be just all sorts of weird combinations of colors and designs, and it would look like something out of um, you know out of an abstract artist's worst nightmare so um, I bet you there's a lot of DIYers who are going to want to know what Kelly has to say today and she's also involved with a project a big project over at the Nashua Police Athletic League for a program called Building on Hope and we'll hopefully get to talk about that a little bit as well they're doing a, a complete makeover of the PAL Youth Safe Haven um, center here in Nashua, and that's ongoing right now. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. So meanwhile, I'm hoping everybody had a great weekend. Um, I think this was the first weekend when the beaches were officially open in the state. 
on Sunday. Um, our kids were over for the weekend, which was really great. We got to see them. They came over to uh, do a little bit of celebrating for my birthday. And so they stayed over Saturday night and Sunday and bought, they brought with them, you know, my favorite person in the family, who's my grandpuppy. And, um, so we went out to Rye Beach yesterday for a nice long walk on the beach, and it was really lovely. And then it was really interesting. When we got back, the way they've set up parking in Rye is this is this is like the ultimate catch-22, right? So the only parking available in Rye is at the State Beach parking lot. Uh, normally, we park on the street on the Jeunesse side of the beach, a little bit further to the north, and that's never been a problem, but that's closed to the public now. So the only place you can park now is at the Rye State Beach parking lot. But you're not allowed to have dogs in the State Beach. So they've made it, they've, they've said the beach is open for public use, but, they, but you can't park there and use it the way you would normally want to use it. So we, we went, we parked, we took the dogs and we were coming and, and that was all fine. And, you know, frankly, we weren't the only ones. There were a lot of people there with their dogs because that's what we all do. And we went to the only parking spot that was available and we came back and there was a nice, a nice man, nice young man just doing his job. I always have to remind myself sometimes people are just doing their jobs and, you know, don't shoot the messenger. But he said, you know, sort of politely, but firmly, sir, there are no dogs allowed in the state park. And I said, well, please clarify for me then where in the world am I supposed to park to access the beach down, um, which we can all see from here, like 100 feet from here where the dogs are allowed. Am I supposed to teleport them in or use my drone helicopter and drop them on the beach or you know, set up some sort of transportation services courtesy of the Star Trek Enterprise. You know, what what in the world am I supposed to do? And he's like, well, I know this is a problem, but this is it. And I'm just saying, I'm communicating. I said, well, I'm, I know you are, and, I, and I'm not mad at you, but I will say this is just darn stupid. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'm going to go back next weekend and violate the law again. So if you, if you, if you, and I have nothing absolutely against social distancing and masks and public safety and public health and welfare. And I've been a big supporter and big proponent, but I'm also not a big proponent of stupid. And this is just stupid. So that's my rant for the day. I'm going to shift gears and I'm going to drift around a little bit here during my introductory session, but um, I could not um, uh, talk today without discussing um, a good friend of mine, Kevin Slattery, who passed away on Friday. Kevin was um, um, a board member at United Way, um, owner of Etchstone Properties, um, who is a sponsor of the show. And he heard, you heard his voice, frankly, in the, in, in the beginning section of the uh, the intro, and you'll hear it again in one of our PSA spots a little bit later on. Um, he is a lifelong um, resident of Nashua. Um, Kevin is one of these people who um, very quickly became a good friend of mine and a mentor. He um, is a person who was um, he was kind, and he was he was hardworking and very smart and very generous in the community. And, and he was one of these people who, when you were around him, he always made it about you. He never made it about himself. So we would have conversations and, you know, I would, I would ask Kevin occasionally to help out with a project here or there. And he would always, he would always say, okay, I got it. I'll take care of it. And I'm like, well, no, I can help you. We'll do it together. And you're like, no, Mike, you're too busy. And, and, and I'll take care of it. And I said, I said, Kevin, I'm not as busy as you. You're the busiest guy I've ever met. And he was like, nope, this isn't, this is all right. I'm good. I, I got this. Go do your thing. And, um, you know, he was just one of these people who 
had a heart, um, a genuine heart of gold. And um, I'm going to say on behalf of a very sad Nashua, Kevin, you will be missed. I will miss you dearly. Um, I haven't had a lot of people in my life over the years who I've considered a mentor. Um, I would list that. I would, frankly, that's only three or four people, including my dad and including you. So um, rest in peace, my friend. Um, I will miss you. Um, I also did want to talk a little bit today about food services in the city of Nashua. The um, I've been asked by a lot of people about the um, program for school food and what's going to happen during the summer. And I'm happy to announce that we've finally worked through all of the details to continue running the program more or less as it's been running, but with some enhancements and some minor modifications. Um, We've, as of this week, as of last week, had distributed since all of this started over 70,000 breakfasts and lunches to local school children. So I'm pretty proud of that. It's a remarkable milestone. It's taken a lot of collaboration and partnership. The Nashua Transit System has been an enormous partner with their buses. Um, the Soup Kitchen and Shelter has been a great partner in helping to provide produce and frozen meals for the weekends. Um, N68 Hours of Hunger has been great in providing food bags that have been on some of the buses and some of the school locations. Um, the uh, Boys and Girls Club has been a terrific partner helping to move some of the stuff that's produced in schools to out to uh, remote locations. They've been doing that. All of, all of those groups have been doing this since the very beginning. And, of course, the Nashua um, uh, school system itself, led by my friend Dahlia over in Food Services, has re- led a really remarkable effort to, uh, to keep our children sh- fed. And last but not least, of course, I would be remiss in not mentioning the army of United Way volunteers who've come together to pull, pull all of this off in all of those partnerships. So really proud of that. We didn't want to lose any momentum going into the summer. I, I, I think that this is going to be a tough summer economically. You know, hopefully things start to rebound quickly. But, uh, you know, even things as simple as going back to work when, when childcare has been greatly diminished is going to be tough for a lot of people, especially low-income people. How do you go back to work if nobody can take care of your kid? And those programs that we've relied on, the summer camp programs, uh, many of them have been shut down or greatly reduced in their capacity. So I think it's going to be a tough summer here in Nashua economically. Perhaps um, the need will be greater than we've seen in recent years. And food is certainly at the top of the top of the list as far as those things that are high on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, you got to eat. You just got to eat. There's no way around that. So the food program is very important. The um, modifications we're making to the program, effective today, instead of four bus routes, there are actually two bus routes, and that's been highly publicized. Um, we've we've managed to um, still continue our partnership with Nashua Transit, but as they reopen, they have less buses available, and but they've still been able to provide two buses, and we've modified the routes so that we were only we only needed to eliminate two out of the sixteen stops to do that. So the times are different, the locations are the same. Two of the stops have been eliminated. Those are two of the stops where there was hardly anybody. Very rarely did anybody pick up any food, and there's there were lots of days when there was nobody at those stops. So I feel comfortable that those were okay to get rid of all of the all the good um, productive routes are still in place and um, that's starting today the sites the 10 locations where the schools are are also continuing as of next week those will be 11 um, no 
yeah, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. They've been 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. One of the things we've learned is that after 1 p.m., hardly anybody drops in. So it made sense for us to reduce that by just that one hour. Um, And we've publicized that as well. Southern New Hampshire Services, um, a big um, partner of ours in this program, is also expanding and adding a couple of locations, um, which are what we would call typically congregate sites, sites where, where kids naturally go during the summer, parks and that kind of thing. And so there are a couple of locations that have been added by Southern New Hampshire Services to enhance the program. And then our partners with N68 Hours of Hunger and the Salvation Army are continuing to provide food bags, especially for the weekend. So um, it's going to overall be a good summer as far as, as far as that's concerned. And I was really concerned there for a little while. We wouldn't be able to pull it together um, from a timing perspective and just the logistics. It's a massive undertaking to, to produce the thousands and thousands of meals we are and get them out into the right hands. But uh, we've been able to do that, so I'm pretty excited about that. If you want more information about that, you can find it on the United Way of Greater Nashville website or on our Facebook page. Either of those is a good place to look for that information. And the last thing I wanted to mention before we cut to the break is our food drive was this past weekend an enormous success. Thank you to all of you who came to our supermarkets to shop. We were at um, every Shaw's and both Hannaford's in Greater Nashua. Uh, We were also at about a dozen other local convenience stores like the Sky Market at the top of Main Street or um, the, uh, the state line store in Brookline, um, ARZ mini Mart on Elm street, a lot of little mom and pop shops who pitched in, people came out and they shopped and they dropped off non-perishable items. Um, many people also made monetary donations, which we'll also use to bolster the cause. Um, I have no idea how much food we, we ended up collecting because it was a, it's a mountain of food. Uh, our partners at McLaughlin Transportation are helping out to provide some logistical support. So all the food's over there right now. And tomorrow we'll have a big uh, uh, volunteer crew sorting that food and getting it distributed out to about a dozen pantries in our community. So thank you if you were a volunteer. Thank you if you were a donor. Thank you if you were a a um, you know a store that supported this effort. Um, overall, just a just a really really great effort to make sure that people stay fed in our community and that we can continue to move forward and uh, and and be healthy and strong. And that's about it for my announcements. I'm going to cut to the break. Our show is brought to you by Etchstone Properties. Um, um, Founded and owned by my good friend, Kevin Slattery. Um, They are one of our community's premier builders. And um, please keep them in your thoughts in these difficult times for them as a family-owned business. I am going to cut to break. We'll be back in just a couple minutes after that with our first guest, Gail Craft from Gail Craft Consulting. My name is Mike. You're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show on WSMN 1590 AM. Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years' experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Edgestone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at edgestoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Since 1930, United Way of Greater Nashua has been your trusted partner to fight for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. When a low-income child needs access to dental care, 
or parents need quality after-school programs where their kids can learn and be safe, United Way is there. When a person with disabilities needs a supportive day program where they can thrive or a family loses its home and needs a place to regain financial stability, United Way is there. When a homebound senior needs food and supportive social connections, or when it comes time to die with dignity, United Way is there. The programs supported by your United Way are the heart and soul of Greater Nashua. When you volunteer or donate to United Way, you lift up the community where you live and you work. As a highly regarded nonprofit with Charity Navigator and GuideStar, you can be sure that your donations will be used for the work of making Greater Nashua stronger, smarter, and safer. Learn more and connect with us at unitedwaynashua.org. Parents need to know. There's a vaccine available. On behalf of the National Association of School Nurses, listen to the voices of meningitis. Get preteens and teens vaccinated against this rare but serious disease. Go to voicesofmeningitis.org. Well, good Monday morning. You're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We're here each and every Monday morning on WSMN 1590 AM talking about important matters in the community, talking with nonprofits, talking with businesses, um, talking just in general with people who are trying to make our community a better, stronger, smarter, safer, and healthier and healthier and happier place for all of us who live and work here. Today I'm joined um, on the radio with my friend Gail Kraft from Gail Kraft Consulting. Gail has been on the show before, and she and I are members of BNI together, a networking group that meets weekly and trying to find ways to support one another in our business endeavors. So, Gail, welcome to our show today. Well, thank you, Mike, for having me again. This is always so much fun, and I just love, love, love having a chance to share with you. Well, I love, love, love having a chance to listen to you <laughs> share with me. So so um, we wanted to talk, I think, a little bit during the break. We were talking about language, and I think language is a, something that is really a particularly interesting topic for us to delve into in these times. One of the things I know is um, that um, so much of our communication is nonverbal, and so much of that nonverbal communication is based on facial expression. And so much facial expression has been literally masked <laughs> out by our current um, need to do, uh, not just do social distancing, but, but wear masks in, 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 in places. And so we can't see each other's smiles and grounds, gr- smiles and frowns. And, and you know, just, um, you know, you have to read each of those other's eyes, but you have to listen to words a lot more carefully now, too, I think, than we might have otherwise have done. So it's a good topic and very, very germane. So um, why don't we kick it over to you? What, what are your, some of your initial thoughts about language in these days? Well, language in general um, is very, very interesting. The words that we choose to speak really indicate our presuppositions, our belief systems, our fears, um, where we desire to go, but not necessarily where we're going. Uh, I met with a few people this week, rather interesting, in a woman's circle that I join every once in a while, wonderful, wonderful women. And we may mention a word every time that we want to aspire to. And I took the opportunity to take some of those words and actually look at how they're not lifting you, they're actually pushing you down. So words like responsibility, you would think that it's really, really good to be responsible. But if you think about the energy of that word, it really puts a heavy weight on you. 
right? If you take that word and twist it, so the person who used that word, I said, well, why don't I always use that as response able? So you're able to respond. We're all able to respond to the situations around us. We may not have created them, but we can create our response. And that's very different, and it lifts the weight off your shoulders. That's interesting. Just by change, just by changing the word or the intonation of a word, mm-hmm. um, how it can change the entire context. Absolutely, right. I, I I can see that. That's a really good. That's a really good starting point. One of the things we talk about a lot um, on this show, or have talked about a lot on this show, is stigma, in particular as it relates to um, substance use disorder, and um, you know mental health issues. And, you know, that also comes down a lot of times to the words we use. You know, is a person, is a person a crazy person? Is a person an insane person? Is a person, um, a person who is experiencing a, a mental health, um, you know, issue? Um, is a person um, a homeless person? Is a person a hobo? Or is a person a person experiencing homelessness? You know, I think the, the difference there is instead of using... Uh, the thing to define the person you're using the thing to describe um, a situation or 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 something which can be changed or something which um, should be recognized as not necessarily their fault or of their making i don't know what do you think about that well yeah that we could go on forever on this one um well, we have to go on till Kelly gets here at least. So. <laughs> or I take Kelly's spot. I think Kelly <laughs> nah, will be here. Kelly's here. She's, oh, yay. She just walked in. So, um, yes, we have a lot of preconceived ideas, a lot of fears, and a lot of misunderstanding around these kinds of issues. Especially, let's talk about homelessness for a little bit. There was a point in my time, I call it my Costco hot dog days. Costco hot dog days. Yes. And I would say this was Hold on. Are those days over? Oh, yes. (laughs) And you will see why in a minute. So imagine, if you will, um, I went to follow a dream and it fell apart. In the process of following that dream, and God, I will tell you, best experience of my life, many, many lessons. But I no longer had a home. I no longer had a job. I no longer had anything. And I could afford... To have a hot dog and soda at Costco's because that was only a dollar seventy-five. It was during this time that I actually wrote my book, The Empowering Process, because I tried affirmations; they weren't working for me. Talk about language! I tried empowering or um, declarations; they didn't work for me. So I discovered how to use empowering questions, and I had. So we're talking June, right? June, July. I had a few criteria. I had $20,000 worth of credit card debt I wanted paid off by the end of the year. I wanted the ability to visit and visit my family. I lived in San Diego, there in Washington and New Hampshire. I wanted the ability to rebuild my business before the end of the year. Within a few weeks, I got a phone call from an employment agency to interview with a woman. The job was in Long Beach. She was in Pasadena. As we talked, she was moving to Arizona. I had one question for her. If I'm interviewing you for a job in Long Beach and you're moving to Arizona, what does that mean for me? She said, nothing. My staff is all remote. 
I had my bills paid off before the end of the year. I got to see my children when I wanted to see them, and I was living in a luxury apartment before December. That's the power of your language and your focus and your energy. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. That's an incredible story and, and, and so true. But I have to say, I still wouldn't have given up the Costco hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Costco hot dogs and the pizza. Like it's the best deal around. But, but I hear what you're saying. And it's right. also super unhealthy. Right. Lots of nitrates. Right. So you don't know the situation that a person was in prior to being yeah. where they're at. So, you know, yeah. rather than judge them, why don't you see if there is an opportunity to get, give them a step out? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So language is also one of those things that, um, you know, we've seen, I think, in the last couple of weeks um, in, um, you know, in light of recent developments and, you know, not recent developments, recent developments that have that have put um, cast uh, once again, cast a light on some some pretty deep seated issues uh, around race in our in our country. Um, you know, with the murder of George Floyd, um, that's, that's really hit, um, hit home for a lot of people and, um, caused a lot of thought and consternation. And that's a good thing. There should be thought and consternation. Um, change just doesn't happen on its own, but I think language is part of this as well. And there's language that people can use. It's productive and language that people can use. It's not productive. Um, what are some of your thoughts maybe about some of that when we're having conversations, dialogues about things that are contentious, things like like racism or or xenophobia or anti-Semitism or, you know, all of these various issues that we hold, you know, we hold, all have a lot of very closely held opinions about. Mm -hmm. And some of them um, are based on personal lived experience. Um, how can we how can we be productive in the words that we use? It's really, really interesting. There, this is a very complex situation because we also have a police officer that should never have been on the streets. Um, I would say that from my perspective, it's all about energy. And as long as we focus on the negative thing that happened, we're focusing on feeding energy into that negative thing that happened. We have to look at solutions. If this is something we don't want, what is it that we do want? And as an individual... What do we do to make that happen, right? And so this is not just words, this is actions. And I may not be able to change the world, but if I change my perspective and my treating of other people a little bit better, then I'm modeling a behavior that someone may be watching will model, and someone's watching them and will model, and someone will watch them and will model. So it's all about modeling the behavior of acceptance and modeling the behavior of allowing people to be who they are no matter what they are. So it's non-judgment, non-judgmental. It's a tough thing for us to be non-judgmental. Well, it is a tough thing to be non-judgmental. Um, but on the other hand, do we always want to be non-judgmental? I mean, if there's a thing that is, if there's a thing that's wrong and you know that it's wrong, um, or you believe it to be wrong based on your core values, do we, how do we not judge it? Or how do we, how do we, how do we, um, what words can we use that might convey, um, convey the need to change? We can use words like there's a lesson and a gift in this, and I'm going to focus on what I can do mm -hmm. 
to make to impact the change that I think will bring elevate the world right some of the things that I use or some of the words that I use is you can make a choice a conscious choice as long as it's ecological think about that word ecological it does no harm to me or you it does no harm and so if we use that word ecological in our choices is this ecological and if the answer is no is there something else I can do instead Right. And so if we're caretakers of the of the earth, if we're caretakers of the animal, if we're caretakers of ourselves and we're caretakers mm-hmm. of mankind, then we're being ecological. So there's a word. Yeah, I think that that's I think that's good advice. Um, I'm going to ask you a really super practical question, too, about language. And this is like a totally different. This is out of this is out of left field. But I went out to dinner Saturday night and with my kids. And we, this is the first time we'd actually gone out to a sit-down dinner anywhere. So we were outside um, by the water at a restaurant that I won't tell you what their name is to protect the innocent Um, or the guilty in this case. So, um, and our server comes up to us and, you know, they were very clear on their, uh, on their Facebook page, on their website. um, And also at the entrance to the place about, you know, we're, we're asking that everybody wear a mask. Um, when we're, you know, when you're waiting and when, when, when we're seating you and um, when, when you're seated, um, obviously you're not required, you're not required to do that because you're socially distanced from other people. You're just amongst yourselves. Um, and our servers have all been asked to, to um, wear a face mask as well at all times when they're interacting with you. So our server comes over and I will say she's the only one that wasn't doing this, but her, she had a face mask on that wasn't covering her mouth or her nose, so it was really more like a chin guard. And um, I think we've all seen all sorts of um, permutations, different ways in which people can be creative about what they call a face mask and how to make it like as ineffective as possible. This was about as ineffective as it could be. And she stands there about two feet over me and two feet from me and proceeds to ask me what I would like to order and what my, what my drink were. And, and I will have to say, I was also, this was a, less than 24 hours after I had learned about my, my friend's passing from COVID-19. So I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm on edge to begin with. I know that. And it's, and I can feel this, you know, I can feel like I'm angry about my friend dying and I'm sad, but I'm also angry. And I can also feel that it's coming up like I'm angry at this person. Um, because of um, of what she is doing there, mm-hmm. so she went away, and I and I told my kids, you know, I'm going to say something to her when she comes back because I don't think she, this is appropriate behavior. My daughter was a little bit like, oh, you know, my daughter's a a conflict avoider, raised by a a cut pair of conflict avoiders, um, and. She's like, Dad, don't do that. Don't say anything. I'm like, honey, you know what? Seriously, this is it's it's it doesn't have to be a conflict. But I'm glad she raised her um, feelings about being uncomfortable with that because it caused me to think, what can I? How can I talk differently? And so when she came over, I said, Ma'am, would you mind when you're here, please covering your mouth uh, nose with your mask? Um, I would appreciate that for our health and safety. And it was okay and it was fine. But man, it was not the first thing I wanted to say. It was. It took me a lot of pause and a, and a little bit of time to, to get to the point of just saying it that because what I really wanted to say was very different or it would have come out very different and been probably you know, perceived negatively by her because it would have been negative. Right. Thoughts on this, Gail? Well, that's awesome because what you experience is what I call resistance, right? Whenever you're feeling something just not in balance with you, that's resistance. And the worst time 
to make any decision is when you're in anger, sadness, fear, shame, guilt. You're feeling the, that resistance. Don't make a decision. So you, thank goodness your daughter was there to diffuse you a little bit, right? And give you the opportunity to look at things a little bit differently. And sometimes uh, when you're in the middle of chaos, when you're in the middle, middle of, especially, and I'm going to swear on the radio, sorry, guys, when shit is happening. Oh, I don't know if the FCC will allow that. Oh, uh, well, that's okay. They'll shut you down. And it's coming from work, and it's coming from your personal life, and it's coming yeah. from your health, and it's coming from everyone. It's coming from everywhere. Right. When you have someone like me saying, well, think of the positive, you want to strangle me. So what I do want to say is when you're feeling that, it's the worst time to make choices and decisions. Worst, because they'll be wrong. Right. Look for the hope. Well, I have to say there's a lot of truth in what you just described because I can't tell you how many times in my life, um, I literally can't tell you how many times in my life I've made those decisions at the wrong time and it always comes back, always comes back and bites bites you in the butt because mm-hmm. it's like, I really didn't mean to say that. It's like, it's like, you know, write the email, but don't hit send. Put it right. in the drafts folder. And then and then read it and then and then hit send after you've edited it or decided not to send it at all. Yep. You know, a friend of mine, good friend of mine over at Lamprey Healthcare has a really great saying that I like to use a lot, and that's is the juice worth the squeeze? <laughs> and in this particular case, like sometimes it might feel good to you know metaphorically squeeze, squeeze, give the person a good squeeze, like thump them upside the head, but that's not that's not going to result in the juice that you desire, which is you know to affect some kind of positive change. Right, right. And that's it. Everything that we do, even though it may not seem it, is for a positive outcome. Yeah. From our perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Gail, I, we've out, we're out of time. I know. I could go on and on for hours with you. I love it. I, I really, know. really think we need to make this more like a, the Gail Craft Mike Appleberg coffee hour and have coffee and drinks. Oh, my God. When we snacks, can have the masks off, yes. And snacks yeah. um, and healthy snacks like kale chips or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, some, something like that. And then, um, you know, maybe that'll be a different format. That'll be a sort of, but it'll have to be like a 2 a.m. show or something. Oh, that's fine. We'll I'm have usually a very different up. audience. <laughs> I know you are because we can send each other emails at 2 a.m. <laughs> Gail, this has been very deep and very meaningful, and I appreciate, as always, your thoughts and your perspective. I love it. Thanks, Mike. I'm going to stay in and listen to Kelly because she's more than amazing. Welcome. Kelly is amazing. So we're going to take another short break, and after the break, we'll be back with my next guest, Kelly Murphy, a good friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, many, many years now, who owns and operates a great um, uh, interior decorating business out in Brookline called Decor and You. We're going to talk about that. We're going to probably talk about the Building on Hope project that she's involved with. And we're probably going to talk about how a bunch of DIYers with bad taste have messed up their houses and how Kelly can help to fix that situation in no time flat. (laughs) You're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. We'll be back in just a minute. Edgestone Properties is a leading home builder in southern New Hampshire. With over 33 years' experience, Edgestone offers highly valued residential homes, including first-time buyer, luxury move-up, and senior community opportunities. Edgestone also offers well-located rental apartments, including active adult communities. Visit us at edgestoneproperties.com or call us at 603-889-5208 to learn more. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That's 603-889-5208. Next up, you'll be listening to United Way Community Connections with Mike Affelberg. 
United Way Community Connections. United Way Community Connections broadcasts every Monday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. right here on WSMN. In United Way Community Connections, you will be introduced to leaders from all of the great nonprofits in Greater Nashua. From caring for our children to our seniors, from helping our homeless pets to our at-risk vets, from learning the skills to get your GED, to dealing with trauma and substance abuse. Community Connections is the place to learn with Mike Affelberg about what's going on. Learn how you can help and make a difference from the experts. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show, which is making a difference in Greater Nashua. Here's your host, Mike Affelberg. Well, good Monday morning. You're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I'm your host, Mike Affelberg. Oh, how did you like that little intonation? You're listening to the United Way Community Connection Show. I don't know where that came from. Anyway, um, we're here each and every Monday morning on WSMN 1590 AM talking about um, some of the nonprofit work going on in our community and recently talking also about some of the for-profit small business work going on in our community. Um, so very important, to, especially in these times, support our local small businesses. They are, in my opinion, um, the core of our, you know, the core of our economic life is the small business, the mom and pop shop, the uh, family-owned restaurant, the locally-owned um, home decorator, which is what we're going to be talking with today. So, Kelly, I would like to say thank you for coming on our show and welcome. Good morning. The good morning, and it's so good to see you, and not on Zoom, but yes. actually in person. I know. Such a treat. <laughs> oh, you know, we, we we meet once a week at our BNI meeting with you and me and Gail and about 45 others, 50 others of our besties, and and we Zoom with each other, but it's, somehow it's not the same as being right. in person. Um, and um, although I have to say, sometimes any of these in-person interactions, I find them to even be some somewhat frustrating because what I really want to do is give people a hug. So do I, man. And <laughs> you know, and I'm not up for these virtually like these new way, new agey, you know, hug things like like um, you know, elbow bumps or whatever. That just doesn't do it for me. So. Oh well, it yeah. is. It is what it is. We'll get. We we. This too shall pass. Yes, it shall. So, Kelly, I was talking about um, earlier on in the show about how if I had been um, left, you know, if it, if my family had been so unfortunate that I had been sequestered for the last 13, 14 weeks at home instead of going every day to work, if I had been home and gotten bored and said, gee, honey, let's change the colors of the house. Let's change the It would look like something out of Van Gogh's worst nightmare. <laughs> and, and I believe Vincent Van Gogh had some very bad nightmares. So, um, and then I'd be having to hire you to come in and fix my mess. Not and such I, a bad thing. I know, but I bet you there's a lot of that going on. So how can you help people who just created just yuck around them and, and, and bring them, get them back on the path of, of, of um, just righteously yeah. good taste in yes. their homes. <laughs> Let's call it that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I have to believe that there's a lot of people that have been sitting around in their homes for the last several weeks looking around and saying, good heavens, I am sick and tired of that color, or this furniture is so old, it's time to go. I just can't stand this anymore. I can't be surrounded by this. And kind of a, a take off on Gail, there is a psychology around um, what you're surrounded by. And good decor, um, uncluttered decor, um, things that coordinate, they do have an effect on people, whether they realize it or not. Color is, is one of them. There's a whole psychology around the colors in the color wheel, um, you know, the 
cool colors as we call it the blues greens and purples tend to be more calming serene and then the warm colors of orange and yellow and uh red tend to be more activating and energy and stimulating and so i you know i often start with asking uh, clients how they want to feel in a room yeah what do you want this room to do for you yes exactly so and that's twofold it's one functional first of all that's i mean to do for you psychologically too yes but the first but right in decorating to your point is the first one is make sure it's functionally correct if it doesn't work then it doesn't matter right um but secondly it is the emotional you know feeling of how so when people say they need a nice quiet space they want to sit back and relax I tend towards the cool colors, perhaps, or neutrals, because that's very calming, too, because it's very unifying. And then when people are, you know, um, I'll divert just a second. So the other dynamic I think that's going on here is there's a lot of people working at home that are not used to working at home, right? And if it's uh, two working people, then at best, there's maybe one office that one person gets and the other doesn't. Um so in in back to that office, you know, some people are motivated by being stimulated. They're high energy and, you know, really like to be active. And some people need to focus and be calm and be quiet. So even in the office environment, that one room alone, there's ways to um, strategically, uh, you know, decorate, if you will, organize that helps their their style so if you've decided to take up as your personal home office the space which you had previously decorated to be your meditation room Mm -hmm. and you decorated your meditation room in calming blues and greens and you find yourself falling asleep in the middle of your work day now because you've got this meditation room decor it's not working no it's not working for you and you and you might not even know why that is exactly Exactly. You know, you take paint color, right? People know when the color is wrong. They put it up and it's wrong. They don't know why it's wrong and whether it's psychologically wrong or just doesn't look right wrong or doesn't match wrong. Um, they realize that after it goes up. What they don't know is how to pick the right color, you know, because right. you know when it's wrong, but you don't always can't see it from a little swatch of what's right. And that mm-hmm. takes a talent, if you will. And yeah. there are wrong and right choices or bit better, you know, and worse choices, shall we say. But, and this is what you do is consult with people and try yeah. to understand um, what their needs are, what they want what they want to do in the, in the space right. that they're in and how they want to feel in the space that they're in. Right. Um, I know that occasionally you talk about um, bachelors <laughs> uh, on your show. <laughs> on, on your, on, yes, when, love when them. You discuss. And love ba- my single men. Yeah, and bachelors... Well, we're not going to go down that path, okay? Because Larry wouldn't appreciate oh, that. Oh yeah, remember that one? <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, there are bachelors are an interesting breed because, generally speaking, they're looking to not be bachelors anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, they would just describe themselves as monastic individuals. So, aside from the those living in a monastery, the ones who are hoping to attract some sort of companionship into their life. You know, but they live in a in a man cave. Yep. What sort of advice do you give these guys? And and boy, those probably are some hard conversations. Like, what do you mean? I need to get rid of all my bangles, you know, trophies and paraphernalia. You know, how does that go? Well, really, part of what I tell them, among other things, but one is that you know, if you want to attract, if you plan on entertaining, women will notice. Okay, right. they see things differently. They're looking around, and they are going to 
no offense, but judge. <laughs> you think, do I want this to be my life? Yeah, right. I mean, I, you know, I, I, maybe I love the Pats, but only on Sunday between 2 and 4.30. Yeah. 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 And, and it's true that uh, what some, some people don't see, others like me see. And that's part right. of what I encounter in all my decorated. You know, homeowners tend to be very tunnel-visioned or they're so used to something or it's so sparse, like, you know, like moving into a new home or take your your bachelor divorcee might might come to the home with only you know a few items it wasn't a uh, um the separation agreement let's say so it wasn't you know equitable <laughs> it doesn't look like you live yeah. here right exactly. it looks like you're just temporary dude yeah and they can't see through it they're just they can't so right. i in my eye and what i you know the experience of i i just see things differently so i'm more likely right. to come up with ideas i'm I know how to connect the dots. Sometimes decorating is like a puzzle. It's the coordination of the colors, the textures, the placement, the functionality of how things flow. There's a little feng shui-ish, you know, yeah. in here, and that's kind of the promise of it is how do things flow? And right. a lot of people get stressed over flow from room to room. Um, these open concepts throw a lot of people off because right. they just but, – but there's no wall to put this sofa on. And it's like, that's okay. A sofa doesn't have to be up against a wall. It can float, you know. And That's so true. they just, they're just so, you know, they don't know any other way. And what I bring to the table a lot is opening their eyes and, you know, offering ideas that they never would have seen. Or even, you know, some of the product I pick. They never in a million years would have picked, you know, a, a style table or a painting or the, but once they see it in the context of everything together, and see it in person, then it's like, oh, yeah, okay. But they never would have landed there themselves if they had gone out to Jordan's and started picking things off the floor because they just can't see right. through it. You know, as I often say, I've told you this before, Mike, my, my um, husband Larry is uh, plays in a classic rock band, right? He has five guitars. He's been playing forever. He can pick up, you know, listen to a song, pick it up, sing it, and play the guitar like that. I do not have an ear for the life of me to sing or play or anything. But I have an eye, and we're all made differently, and this is how we balance life. You know, I have a really good eye. He has a really good ear. We're different. Well, you know what? And Larry needs roadies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And cheerleaders. He does. He thrives off of that. That's (laughs) that's right. That's right. No, I love love the perspective because in the end, what you're really doing is help people to be happier in their lives and happier in their spaces and more productive in their spaces. And just, you know, we only, we're only here, you know, we're only here for so much time, right? Right. Right. And it's and it's it's just uh, a blink of the eye, and uh, you know let's let's have that blink of the eye be be the best possible, right? Yeah, and you know, and one of the big ones is that people don't understand is you know we when we stage homes, for example, for uh, selling, um, the whole concept of decluttering, but it applies to everyday living too because clutter boggles the mind and it just it's distracting to the eye when things are out of place or there's too much and the eye can't settle and kind of take it in um it's really psychologically disturbing because they can't see beyond all this stuff to make sense of what's really important and so even you know back to the home office thing is you know one of the principles of a, of a healthy office is to have a clear desk and things organized and stuffed away so that you're not distracted from seeing all these piles and things pens and stuff all over the place that's a really important element well it goes the same in your living room right 
you know, if you want to be peaceful, if you want to settle, if you want to enjoy the space, it's got to be, you know, calm enough that your eye isn't bouncing all over the place or you can't get around a piece of furniture because it's placed wrong. They seem like simple principles, but how they're exercised tastefully, (laughs) (laughs) to my point, um, makes makes a difference. Right. Well, I love this concept. I've watched it, you know, this, this show with Marie Kondo a couple of times, right? And yep. and I'm not like totally into like Marie Kondoing my life, yep. you know, yep. and Fair getting enough. getting rid of everything. But I do think that there is something to be said for, you know, does this thing, does this thing bring you joy? Right. Like this pen in my hand, like why does it need to be here? Right. Do I really want it? If I don't really, if I can't really justify that in my life, then it's just stuff, right? Exactly. And, um, and let's surround ourselves with the things that do bring us joy. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's people and that's also dec- decor. Yeah. So, yeah. Kelly, I do want to shift gears just in the couple of minutes yep. that we have left to talk about your philanthropic project. Yes. And that's this Building on Hope. Now, you've been involved with Building on Hope, which is a group of people who are in the home building um, space. Yep. Um, which includes interior decorators, painters, har- you know, carpenters, architects, architects exactly. Yep. All yep. those kinds of folks that are responsible for making our homes and making our homes better. Um, and each, uh, every two years, you guys pick a project yep. and um, you do what I would call like an extreme home makeover for, for that nonprofit space. Yep. And you do this through a lot of volunteer labor and yep. donations. And, and this year, you guys have chosen the Nashua Police Athletic League and yes. their Youth Safe Haven Project yep. right here in Nashua. Yep. So w- tell me about your involvement with that project and how can the community support you and come out and, and uh, make this a big success? Well, it's going to be a big success, that's for sure. So, um, a project like this, if, if you recall the old days of Ty Pennington Extreme Makeover Show, right? I, I do. I do. I remember like the big reveal, right? Right. Exactly. That's what you see. But what you don't appreciate as much is what goes into it. So <laughs> I absolutely don't appreciate yeah. what goes into so it. So the undertaking of the renovation of a nonprofit facility that we do every two years is really over a year in the making. So from a starting point, we've been at this since last May or May, June. And it kind of starts with the the greater um, steering committee of choosing a facility. Then the kind of the designers are brought in. What we do is, um, there's probably 15, 20 of us, and we each choose a room that we're going to be responsible within the building. And then uh, we get teams to work with us, the contractor teams. And then meanwhile, bigger scope folks, demolition, um, you know, flooring guys, uh, exterior stuff are also sought after and every single one of these players and there will be 200 of them in the end okay just Mm -hmm. to put in perspective are fully volunteered okay and then we have people that are out there soliciting funds as well to help buy the building materials and you know the the furniture and this some of us we designers are soliciting on our own some we got people out looking for home depot and walmart and others to contribute some of it's in the form of material some of it's in the form of grants and and funds and every single dollar is totally donated so national pale is not going to spend a dollar on this i mean we're putting the money into their their account right it's been but um and then kind of like the tv show so you know year in planning but the intent is that we close the building down for about 10 days all these contractors and designers swoop in 
and miraculously within uh, at the end of those 10 days this building is completely done and i kid you not however this year because of our little situation um we we should have been had the building done about two or three weeks ago now right it was, a may, it was a may project yeah it, that's what was the plan but given the situation we knew it just wasn't safe to put that many people in the building um and so we've put it off and, and in fact what we're really the stage that we're in is we're going to do it gradually over the summer to protect all the workers that are coming in um to do it so um not the same kind of reveal and you know wow i mean the end effect will be wow this building will be incredible Good, and that finger is the, the one-minute finger. Oh, okay. Just so you know, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't tell you. So yeah. we we still have a little time. And okay. now you're looking for you're looking for donations and support for your particular room, which is what are you doing? I am converting a boys' bathroom in the basement to um, an office for two. Very small space, but nonetheless, we we are good at making the best of. That's of fantastic. It. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's so that's my little space. There's a creative play center. There's a, a boxing gym upstairs that's going to get renovated too. Only boxing ring in Nashua. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's going to be a kitchen added. They've put an elevator on the outside mm-hmm. of the building, which is incredible. Um, that was a big one. Uh, we've redone the, re- the porch already, the front porch. Um, it, there's other spaces in the building. The officer's office, you know, is another one for right. uh, Mike, who spends his most of his day there. Um, and it's just going to be incredible and totally functional, supreme looking, and much more comfortable and adaptable for not only the, the kids but the staff too, because yeah. they don't spend a lot of a lot of time there. Yeah, it's it's a building which has been sort of cobbled together over the years. Yes, um, I will say this is one of the this is one of our anchor organizations. Um, That's right for we've United been Way partners with PAL for many years, and the work they do is remarkable. Yeah. So I'm so appreciative of, yeah. of you giving back in this way. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll still need volunteers to kind of help yeah. out during the build weeks. Uh, we're still soliciting uh, donations. Um, unfortunately, some people have had to back out uh, given, you know, the situation. So we're still in search for any part of the building, any part of the building. So go to Building on Hope and just Google it and you can yeah, find the project. Yeah, or actually probably National Pal would be better. They have yep. a link for donating directly to the Building on Hope um, project. And if you forget about any of what we said today or you want to connect with Kelly – or with Gail, and you forget about Kelly and Gail, but I want to talk to that really smart person about language or about interior decorating, call me at United Way. Ask for Mike. Ask for the guy. There's only one of each, and I'll connect you to these guys. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, really appreciate you. it. Thank you to you as well, Gail. So you are done with the hour. We will be back next week on Monday at 9 a.m. with more great interviews and with nonprofits and small businesses from Greater Nashua. Until next week, please remember to be kind to one another because great things really do happen when we live united.